most of us live life in a binary consciousness. I can do this or I can do that. I can lose my call or I can not say anything about it, just shut my mouth about it. There's a many possibilities between shutting up and opening your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of possibilities right. in those two things. Mm -hmm. And emotional sobriety is living in those possibilities. Bill Wilson co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is uh, Dr. Alan Berger. I hesitated, but I do know who you are, Dr. Dr. Alan Berger, and our, and our wonderful producer, Patrick Newman. Hi, guys. Howdy. <laughs> I was thinking of a new name for our show. Emotional what is it? Sobriety Matters. Say it again. Emotional Sobriety Matters. Matters to us. We're finding it matters to a lot of people. You know, mm -hmm. on Thursday night, we've got a, a wonderful community that started that people are finding a lot mm -hmm. of value. Oh, it has a double meaning. Yeah. It took me a minute. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, listen, it's. You, it's it's daylight savings time, so we'll mm -hmm. give you a while to catch yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. It turns out I only oh, fell. We fell behind, didn't we? Didn't I only fell back forty five minutes, though. It's like you're supposed to fall back an hour, I think. That's it's right. Like, I think yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm excited though. We're, we're we. Uh, I, I think I misdirected us a little bit, but in a wonderful way. Last last episode when we we were talking about chapter nine of your uh, book and I and I had just been uh, in the midst of rereading um, Man, Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl and so we all we all three just became involved in, well, yeah, in I, our love our love for for that book that oh, man yeah, that I mean, those it's lessons not a misdirection at all because no, it's, you're, you're developing an emotional sobriety uh, library out there that yeah. definitely one of the books to include in your library. There is mm -hmm. no question it has its place in that library. It's oh, it's so congruent with what we're doing. It's like, you know, it's just a good example. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I learned this a long time ago that, you know, there are, there, there aren't, there aren't really any original ideas, and and you know what we do is is what we're, and what life is is we is we learn lessons and then we forget them and then we get reminded, and I like to I like to think that that's what support system is. It's like, you know, don't you don't have to have a great memory when it comes to recovery. You just you just have to have a support system where you know, and like we've referred to each other as each other's post-it notes before. You know, it's like, and and there's it's um it, yeah. I mean, I remember telling a, a friend of mine. Uh, that uh, that I trusted very much when, before I wrote my first book, I'd been to a, a, a self-help section of a bookstore, remember bookstores, um, and uh, overwhelmed by all the books there. And I, and I, said, I said to her, I said, I said, I don't have anything original to say. And she said, you know, that hadn't been said before. And she said, well, of course you don't. Which I thought, well, that seems rude, but but uh, but then she went on to say, 
but people people are, are waiting to hear it the way you're going to say it. And I and we all think about that in terms of there's so many different people. We each, you know, we have a we'll have a we'll, our little Venn diagrams will will intersect with some that are, that are, we all have in common. But each of us has our own. We've we found our own way, and we really really do encourage all of you listening to to you know search. You know, it's not just we're not we're not here ever to claim we we have all the answers. We're 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 fellow searchers. Uh, what 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 answers we think we have, we'll we'll be glad to share with you. And um, and then if we decide that we made a mistake about that, we'll be glad to acknowledge that, too. But uh, but don't. Yeah. Be 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 adventurous, you know, very much so. And look, and <laughs> and and, you know, that goes to this other point is that, you know, keep searching until you find a voice that speaks to you. Yeah, because, you know, what Tom is saying, I agree with in, in large part is that, you know, there's a lot of us are saying things that others have said, um, but we may be saying it in a way that you can hear it, which is mm-hmm. different. And that's the important thing is, is to pay attention to if the message is not coming in one way, don't say it's it's the wrong message. It just might be the way the message is coming to you doesn't mm-hmm. resonate with you. I mean, I've. I've had that experience before with certain things, but you know, one of the things that Patrick said after the last show is that how can we bring this back to a more practical matter? Yeah. In terms of what does that mean to live life on life's terms? And you know, what was it you said, Patrick? Is it a matter of adaptation? Right. Is it um is emotional sobriety at the heart of it just about um when confronted with uh you know an inflexible circumstance? You know, is it just about the degree, the degree to which you become flexible in reaction to it? Well, I think the answer to that is yes, but it's not as simple as that sounds because. Yes, yes it's yes without the word just in there. It's not yes. it's not just that. It's like it's that and, and much more. It's that. See, one of the things I think that I, I think one of the things I did well in this book was to talk about like we're doing kind of it, it's interesting. There is a. There is a parallel to what we're doing on the Thursday night thing is talking about emotional sobriety in terms of what has to build up. How do we build a certain foundation for emotional sobriety? And one of the things that I think is so important here is that we don't just get to life on life's terms without first going through all those other chapters, right? Which is like, first of all, seeing that we're asleep, right? Starting to wake ourselves up, see our emotional dependency, you know, see the way that we get in the way with dealing with life on life's terms. See, all of that stuff becomes so important, Patrick, in terms of so that when an event happens, I don't get hung up with objecting to it. And see, it's the objection to it that then sends my energy off in the wrong direction. You know, instead of my energy being used to cope with what's going on, now I'm into throwing a pity party. I'm objecting to it. I'm getting mad at the situation. I'm trying to find somebody to blame. I mean, all this energy is going in all the wrong direction, right? Because it's not going into, okay, now what do I do with this? How do I best, what's the best relationship to have to this experience that's going on in my life? I can't even get to that question when all this other stuff is going on. 
So the, the first thing is, is that we got to make sure, Herb Kagan calls it being a clear channel, clearing the channel, right? I've got to clear the channel so that when life is happening to me on, on as it will, I mean, no, on, on its own terms, that's right. <laughs> right. You know, what was that bumper sticker? Shit happens. Well, shit. life happens. It's just life happens. It's not even shit. It's you mm-hmm. don't know what to do with it, but life happens, right? See, mm-hmm. that's the blaming again. The guy that wrote shit happens needs mm-hmm. emotional sobriety, Patrick. I also like uh, change calls the tune we dance to. I always like that. Oh, I like, I've never heard that. I love say, that. Say that again. I didn't get my uh, head around it. Change calls the tune we dance to. Aha. Yes. Very well said. Makes me want to dance. Very well said. And see, and that's the issue, because if I don't like the tune, what am I going to do? Try to change channels. (laughs) Try to tune into a different station or get mad at the tune that's going on and say, I don't like this tune. I'm not going to dance to this one. Well, and and the other thing that I see when you started off with there, Alan, I think it's so important is and and I think it's just it's it's thematic through all of this. And that is um, the, the initial the initial awareness and acceptance on the front end of, of, of all, all change. Any, if you, if you know, that has to be, and that has to be of the situation, like you're saying, the cards that are dealt, the, you know, the tune that life is playing, you know, but the other thing that I thought of, as you were saying that is how often, and specifically people who are, are, I think tend to be seekers and are, and are looking, looking uh, as we have personally. And as we, and for what we do professionally, people are looking for tend to be, too quick to judge themselves in terms of, you know, I, I, I would just say for the lack of a better way of saying it, sort of making what whatever they're experiencing of themselves pathology. You know, uh, I'm sick. You know, you know, they it's still judgment. It's still so, so I'm not saying don't get good diagnoses, but but I'm going, it's like the 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 toughest part is, you know, when the person stops drinking. You know, I mean, what we know about that person is they want they would love for their life to change immediately. If they see something in us, if we're having a conversation and they see something in us that they that they want, they want it now. And what we know is they can't have it now. And it's like and what we know is what they have to be able to do first, because we've all done it, is you got you've, you've got to do the part where you are just aware of how this how badly how badly you feel how much you want this, you know, and, and, and how you feel about it not being a, an instant cure, you know, and, and all of that stuff. And the idea is I want people to know, and we do, we do this on, on the Thursday night group very often. We've done it a couple of times specifically to, to really want to say, you know, we want you to be proud of yourself when you first, you know, we've had some people share who were just starting out, you know, and go like, you know, when we hear, we, we hear that pain, we, you know, we brighten up, but not because we like their pain, but we go like, no, you're, that's the right, you're on the right path. And I want you to be able to, I, want, I don't want you to have to wait until life starts to, to, to feel like it goes your way before you can feel good. I want you to be, I want you to be able to feel good while you're feeling bad. It's like, I want you to feel good about yourself while you're, you know, once you, you know, it may not be fun, but, but your integrity, your self-respect can begin to heal in that very moment that I can sit here and feel like miserable. I can sit here and have so many questions and almost no answers. And I, and I, and I'm, and I'm hearing from people that I'm choosing to listen to and trust that, 
I'm doing something that is courageous and it is moving me in the right direction. It's, it's so important for us to rush, try to rush past that. We've all done it. It's like we'll, we'll, we make mistakes, too many mistakes. Yeah. So let's go back to the practical, right? Mm-hmm. As you were saying, Patrick. So so uh, let me give you an example of a, a client I worked with this week and what happened for him. So um, um, two things, um, but we'll start with the one, the most recent, because that's fresh on my mind. So he dropped his car off to get it, um, to get some work done on it. I forgot whether whether it's a transmission, that part's not really relevant, but um, they needed it a few days to get the work done. So it kind of stayed there for two or three days in the lot. So, you know, it's an older vehicle. It's not brand new. It's maybe got 15, 20 years on it. So he goes to pick it up and there's a bump in the fender that wasn't there before. All right. So life happens, right? Mm-hmm. Mistakes happen. Somebody mm-hmm. probably bumped the vehicle when it was in the lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he says to the guy, hey, you know, there's there seems to be something wrong with my bumper. I, I think he picked it up after hours. The guy said, so call back Monday when the manager. Is. So he calls back Monday when the manager's in and he starts to talk to the manager about it. And the manager starts to deflect responsibility. Now, I am not clear because I know this guy, and he doesn't just talk to people without skewering them. Let me put it to you this way. Hmm. So I'm I'm not totally certain the manager started defensively or deflectively. Mm-hmm. You know, he might have been in reaction to what how this guy was coming on to him after the first couple of shots were fired. (laughs) But, you know, he told me, I think I was keeping my cool. I said, okay, well, you're cool. And the guy was, was not, was not picking up any responsibility and willing to take any responsibility. How did I know it was on my lot? I mean, you drove it home. You know, he's saying things like maybe you did it and you're trying to blame it on us. And the guy said, now it's my integrity that's being questioned. So it, you can see the escalation. is just. And so by time the conversation was over, he's in a screaming match with this guy and saying things to this guy that he doesn't even feel good about when he hangs up. He lost his call completely. Yeah, because one of the things I hear when you're saying is that this was a, this was a part of his process because and he and and regardless of what else, you know, every I always tell everybody everything's information. It's like, you know, learning, you know, you can learn to drive a car in a parking lot, but you, this is driving in the, on the in interstate traffic. You know, it's like you got to you got to be able to keep your you got you can't just keep your cool, you know, when everything's OK. But I love the idea that he that he lets you know, too, in telling the story. His intention was to keep his cool. He was evaluating that as it went. He thought it was going well. Really? trying, and, and, and he actually and the other thing is it's a little bit like what I was saying before is, you know, it's a positive thing. If at the end of that you have you have made some you have made some mistakes and you've messed up and you you haven't been able to, to achieve your goal with yourself, it's good that you can feel that and know it. Yes. It's not you know that's yeah. that's more important than the fact that you screwed something up. Yeah, that's I love that so far. Anyway, go ahead. I love the story All right. already. So, so so then you know he hangs up the phone and 
goes down for a while, decides to call back and speak to the owner, not just the general manager, but the owner and tells the owner what happened. The owner says, look, you know, well, owner's got a cool head about it and good customer service relations <laughs> says, look, you know, we'll figure this out. And he says, um, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it. He says, how much damage was done? The guy says, you know, maybe a hundred or let me get an estimate. And he says, all right, we'll, we'll get it taken care of. So <laughs> the owner was just saying, Hey, <laughs> no big thing. Oh, big, oh, that's right. Because this guy also threatened, I'm going to write this up in Yelp and, you know, <laughs> so he escalated it way up. So he finally, you know, I think it's going to get taken care of and the owner's going to do it now. What happened? What, how come, even though his intention was when he called to keep his cool, what happened? And what he says, well, how could I keep my cool when this other guy wasn't taking any responsibility? Hmm. So herein <laughs> lies a problem. If my keeping my cool depends on what the other person's doing, then what happens? I've lost yeah. my autonomy. Yeah, I was going to say, his his answer was is embedded in his question. He had a lot of other options that he couldn't see, right? Right. So the options he couldn't see was he could have empathized with the guy for a minute. He was asking the guy to empathize with him, Mm -hmm. and he could have taken a minute and say, God, you know, I can see it's hard for you to wrap your head around that. Maybe this happened on your watch. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned that, you know, the owner of the company is going to be upset with you? Got us. You guys made a mistake out there. I don't think it's that big of a. He could have tried to help the guy mm-hmm. deal with whatever was going on mm-hmm. that was making it hard for the guy. That's one example. There's mm-hmm. a lot of other, you know, what I usually say is that, and Tom and I talk about this a lot. Most of us live life in a binary consciousness. I can do this or I can do that. I can lose my call or I can not say anything about it. Just shut my mouth about it. Right? Right, right. So see, that becomes the two choices. I shut my mouth about it. Then I don't feel good about it. I open my mouth about it. Then I don't feel good about it. Yes. Keeping your cool does not just be, we've all had experiences of successfully stuffing things down into our left knee, you know, until, until it later blows up. But it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, that's, that's not what we're talking it's about not what we're talking at all. See, we're talking about there's a many possibilities between shutting up and opening your mouth, right? There's a lot of possibilities right. in those two things. Mm-hmm. And emotional sobriety is living in those possibilities, mm-hmm. is first of all, having an awareness that those possibilities exist, and then finding a way to start to experiment with those possibilities. Hey, let me try this. Let me try that. And, and I said this to him. I said, what one of the themes that keeps coming up for you is you want people to be respectful of your position, but you show no willingness to be respectful of the people you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. He just right. had an incident with a person in um, a hotel and he, they have strict policy. You have to wear your mask in the hotel. He goes up to the desk without a mask on. And she says, sir, could you put your mask on? And he says, listen, this will just take a minute. She goes, I know it'll take a minute, but I need you to have your mask on. <laughs> you know, that's our policy in the hotel mm-hmm. is we don't provide services without people wearing their mask. Mm-hmm. And he went irate on her. He went off on her. 
you mm-hmm. must have voted for Biden. And he started to do mm-hmm. all of these things of now attacking her mm-hmm. when this gal's just trying to do her job. All she's trying to do is to enforce the policy that mm-hmm. the hotel set, a policy I tend to agree with. Mm-hmm. I think we all need to protect each other from this crazy virus that's killed, what, how many millions of people now? I mean, the number is growing mm-hmm. and growing all the time. It's mm-hmm. we got a pandemic on our hands. Mm-hmm. But see, that's what happens in this stuff is, see, sometimes we don't see that what makes it hard to adapt, to dance to the song that life is playing, as you so wonderfully described, Patrick, is that all of these ideas about how things should be, I should get the respect, people should respect me. How can they do this to me? It's not fair. They're not doing their job. They're supposed to do their job. So you see what happens is we get hung up in all these unenforceable rules. It makes it very hard to deal with things as they are. So that's why we spent a lot of time getting up to this point in that book about clearing the channel, paying attention to these things that make it hard. Now, I'll give you a a small victory I had one time so I can contrast (laughs) the difference. So I was speaking at... um, um, it, a conference for men called it never happens. It never happens to boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was about um, sexual abuse in men mm-hmm. um, and specifically, you know, boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was at a hotel in downtown Pasadena and there's limited parking in these, in these areas and stuff like that. So when you pull into the hotel, you turn your car into valet and they take it in the garage below and park it, right? There's no self-parking at the hotel. It's all valet. I've got, a, I, I lease my cars and I had a Lexus ES 300, three days old. Beautiful car. Had that beautiful silver finish on it, metallic silver finish on it. I mean, smell a new car and everything. I can tell and where this is going. Hand my keys over to the back. I can can just tell how much you love that car. I love the car. car. Hand my keys over to the valet guy. Go up to my room. Get my bags taken up there. I'm unpacking. All of a sudden, a call comes in. Dr. Berger. Yes, this is Dr. Berger. Well, um, we got some bad news. I go, what happened? Is everything okay? He says, well, yeah, nobody got hurt, but your car got hurt. Is the attendant that was parking your car misjudged this pole that he was turning right on and he scraped the whole right side of your car? I go, Oh, how bad is it? Well, I don't think the door will open on the passenger. <laughs> so it was pretty bad. I go, Okay, well, let me come down and take a look at it. Mm-mm. Come down, take a look at it. Yeah, whole side of the car is all messed up. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, what are we going to do about it? Guy looks at me. What, what do you mean? I said, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, it's just, yeah, it happens. These things, people make mistakes. I've made mistakes. So mm-hmm. just tell me what the procedure mm-hmm. is that we have to file. Well, we have to file this claim. Da, da, da. I said, okay, great. Listen, I just have one request. He goes, what is that? Hey, please don't fire the guy that did this. Everybody makes mistakes. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. We can get this. It's a car. It can be fixed. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. It's not a big deal. I'm just concerned about, you know, I'm sure the guy feels bad enough about himself. It doesn't need to be made worse than that. So, you know, is that okay? 
He says, well, well, thank you for your attitude. I mean, most people are screaming about having the guy fired and how can, what kind of employees do you have? And I said, yeah, well, I, I'm hopefully past that today. And I'm not saying that. I just, I appreciate you guys, you know, just understand he made a mistake. He probably feels like shit about it. Uh, it's a car. We can get it fixed. So that night I'm back up in the room after I do my presentation and stuff. I get a call from the owner of the valet service. Mm-hmm. And he says, I, I just had to give you a call, Dr. Berg. Well, why is that? He says, I've been doing this for over 35 years. Not once in 35 <laughs> years has anybody ever reacted the way you just reacted. <laughs> and I just called to talk to you about that and to say thank you. Mm-hmm. is you didn't make anybody feel bad about themselves. You didn't blame anybody. You didn't get into throwing a fit about this thing. You were very matter of fact about it. And, you know, and look, our policy is usually to get the car taken to one of our shops. But, you know, because of your attitude, we'd like to accommodate you. So where do you live? And let's find a body shop close to you. So it's not a hassle for you <laughs> or more of a hassle than it's going to be. Right, 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 right. I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I said, listen, man, I'm in recovery and I'm trying to learn this thing called emotional sobriety. And I got to talk to him about what that means and stuff like that. And it's about like dealing with life on life's terms. At the end of it, I walked away feeling, even though something terribly happened to this car, I felt I was glad it happened. I was glad somebody could see what this is like. I'm glad somebody could experience somebody handling a situation different. You know, it's like Herb Kagan says this, this one um, Catholic saint, and I'm not saying I've read sainthood, but it's this time this, this thing worked for me. He's Catholic saint says everywhere you go, you know, preach the gospel. And he says, and sometimes use words (laughs) everywhere you go, preach the gospel. Right. Sometimes use words. Sometimes you may need you may need to use words sometimes. Huh? You know, here's a principle of attraction, not promotion. This guy got to see something different than what he had ever seen before in his career of somebody handling something. And at the end of that, it totally reinforced this whole thing for me, not because of the way they responded, but because of how I felt about myself, Patrick. Right. I was being the Alan that I that I enjoy being. It's the best way to neutralize the uh, the pain you must have felt at seeing your car damaged, right? It's you know, you know, I guess it wasn't that painful. I'm not that into things as much, man. I, I think people are more. Yeah, important me neither. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm. I just so I don't get hung up. I mean, it was too bad, and I didn't want it a hassle. And but look, it can be fixed, mm-hmm. and it did get fixed in the body shop we went to. They did a great job. It's in Torrance. They were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but look. Um, to me, this is life on life's terms. Do I handle every situation like that? My wife wishes I did. Mm-hmm. She's hearing this podcast. She says, mm-hmm. only if that was only the man that I was married to. Right. She raises her hand. <laughs> I, I have a couple of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I can deal with that with her that way. Sometimes I can't. It just depends on a lot of things. Is 
how much is the arthritis hurting in my right hip? And mm-hmm. you know, you know, and you know, no, you know, it no, goes but, no but what's your? But it does. It's all those details. What's my attitude with with that today? That's am right. I am I aware that I'm grumpy because of my right. my right hip, as opposed to I, you know, I'm buying into just the idea that you know, I'm you know, people are people are irritating me. It's it's the but the other. I love this story, but also I want to be the I want to be the Scrooge on the other end of it, and so and be sure to point out that. And my experience with doing this is it's one of the most fun things about doing this is because I love surprising people. And, and you cannot surprise people but more in situations like that, you know, where like, I yeah, a guy almost backed up in, into a, par- in a parking lot into me and, and was going to bump my car. I honked my horn. The sun was in everybody's eyes. It's like. He he stopped on a dime, pulled up, pulled in a parking place. I got out of my car and walked over to his car. So he he's I, I can see his face. He thinks I'm coming to fight. You know, it's like and I just said, I've never seen anybody's reflexes better than that. That's that's amazing how fast you stop, you know. Part of part of that's because it makes me feel better about myself. Part of it's I'm just fucking entertaining myself because it's kind of fun to step out, you know, and do stuff that, that people don't, you know, and maybe that benefits people. I hope it does. But it's like, you know, I do it. I do it for my own entertainment. I do it. But but the other piece I want people to know that, it, you know, you could have done exactly what you did in that story and they could have fired the guy. He should, That's everything right. could have gone right. Yeah. And what we want people who are listening to this, knowing, knowing that none of that would be the measure. It's, it's how, it's how it's, 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 it's you and you at the end of the day, your integrity is in, is, is in, in shape. I'm glad, I'm glad I did that. If you, you would probably never know if something bad ha- did happen, but if you did, you would, you know, and you, you would go like that's you know, that doesn't take anything away from me. 30 years ago, that side of me that wants to be righteous and nail everybody for those mistakes would have come out. Yep, and yep. said, look what you did. How could you guys do this? Now you created all these hassles in my life and I got to deal with that, mm-hmm. you know, get fucking better employees or, you know, whatever. I would have been that guy. I know. I and see one of your, so part of your, part of your, your success and part of your celebration really is, is that little time travel comparison. I love that when you know, I help that with my clients a lot. It's like the idea of like, I mean, how would you how how would you imagine you would do this? You know, I don't care a month ago or, or three years ago or six years ago. It's like it's really good just to watch and see that contrast because that's how you mark your your own progress to be able to see I am, this is amazing. And, and it makes us for me. And, and I bet this is the same. It's, it's like I still have that experience when I do something better than I have done in the past. And I and it's and I have a positive response from it. And that kind of stuff is is I love that feeling that comes with, hey, man, this shit really works. Yeah. Well, and look, and what it also said to me is that tyrant I had that would beat me up for making mistakes mm-hmm. wasn't as strong now. He wasn't in charge. It he was, he's not driving. He, you he know, that's a nice car, charge. but he wasn't driving. Before he would have been in charge mm-hmm. because when I made a mistake, I hated myself. Yep. For it. We yep. talked about that on Thursday night, the self-hating process. That mm-hmm. self-hating process says I shouldn't right. make mistakes. And it also says you should make mistakes. So it's <laughs> not right. only do that. I do. I should on myself, but I'll shoot on you with that thing. Right. Yep. So it's that same thing. And once I see that, I do make mistakes. And, and, and you know, the best thing I can do is learn from them. Mm-hmm. The biggest mistake is not learning from our mistakes. That's right. I mean, that's what we say over and over and mm-hmm. over again. In one way of thinking about emotional sobriety, it's to clear 
the channel so you can learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. We grow up, and Fritz Perl said this so well, if I let the situation I'm in control me, once again, it's that if Mm -hmm. I dance to the music Mm -hmm. that that is being played, to the tune that life is playing, Mm -hmm. I learn how to deal with life and to cope with life as it is, I start growing up. Yep. That's the bottom line here. So this 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 whole issue about life on life terms is is the tangible evidence of where you're at with your emotional sobriety. So if you want a measure of where things are at, look at how you're dealing with situations that don't go the way that you think they should go. Look at it situations that that where somebody makes a mistake and how you deal with that. How do you show up for that situation? That's going to give you a sense of where you're at in terms of this emotional sobriety in mm-hmm. your recovery. Mm-hmm. And as yeah, always, I- we want to say, and if you if you're coming up short with that, and you and you and and you you're not finding the possibilities that Alan always talks about, you know, anywhere within your reach, that's when you reach out and get extra support. That's when you reach out and ask for some help. Because there's, you know, that's that's because when earlier what you said about part of a big part of emotional sobriety is knowing that there are other possibilities. It's not the binary choice. It's like knowing that there are other possibilities doesn't mean I know where they are or what they are. Yeah. It just means I, I learned to believe in them. And it's like and I'm and I and I and I absolutely can believe that if I if I'm coming up blank, I can call one of you guys. And and, and it, what, it, it still may come from me, but in, from that conversation from one of us. You know, something else will will come out. It's like it's it's because I, I like the, you know go back to the 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 story you told about your client losing it with the guy. You know, sometimes the best thing we can learn to do is is just hit the pause button and just realize I I'm rec- I recognize the warning signs. The, the red flags are here. I'm getting ready to drop back into some old behavior I don't want to see. So let me just say, hey, let me let me let me call. I got some things I got to get done. Let me call you back later. You know. Can make it can make all the difference in the world. I, I, right. I can testify. That's right on. Right. Yeah, on. I I, I uh, acted out in a capacity similar to this uh, client of yours uh, recently uh, when um, I was in a time sensitive situation, and uh, you know my girlfriend was not responding to the to the schedule in the way I wanted her to. And then uh, her cats were not responding to the schedule in the way I wanted them to. And the cats, the cats are a perfect avatar for her because cats Mm -hmm. are are completely uh, uninterested in, you know, doing anything on time or uh, Mm -hmm. on a time that makes sense to human beings. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that, you know, had I, had I um, slowed down and maybe uh, peeled myself away from those, that binary uh, Mm -hmm. framework, I would have been able to, yeah, just um, rather than demanding that they, they bend to my uh, conception of things, maybe I could have bent myself and uh, the outcome would have been a lot less messy. I think that mm-hmm. in my recovery, I, there's, I have a rigidity in my recovery that probably just comes from me equating, I equate chaos with, uh, well, just everything that my life rested on when I was still using and I think like, uh, you know, I've become like a super neat freak around the house. And, um, you know, I've just been very, um, mm-hmm. you know, commit just very book focused, not a book, but just life book. Mm-hmm. I've just been book focused, mm-hmm. uh, clock focused and um, inflexible. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a recipe for 
it, it can be a recipe for a very emotionally unsober way of moving well, through life. Well, that reminds, I, I'll just I'll give you a prophecy that, that six years six years into my recovery of, from a, from alcoholism, I came home and found my wife a, a book my wife was reading on the coffee table called "How to Live with a Control Freak." It's like, uh, and it's like, what did I do? I got pissed off. It's like, <laughs> they did, right? That's all right. How dare you? Right? <laughs> but hey, yeah, hey, that- at least she wasn't reading a book that my uh, sponsor, Tom's first wife, was reading. What? He comes home and she was reading Codependent No More. And before he knew it, he was no more. He was no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good, but I, but uh, it's you know that that thing at Patrick too though that that um, you know that you're yeah because you can't you can recover from chaos within yourself I think I think you can separate I don't know if you can change there's chaos inside of us but the idea we can learn how not to be so attached to the chaos and it's like but 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 definitely don't don't imagine that you can and you may not need this but I'll just say it to anybody who's listening you, just, you don't imagine that you're you're your recovery is going to have an impact on the chaos in the world. It's like, you know, that's not, that, that's not, we don't, those, the, the levers we're pulling thinking that we're going to control the rest of the world and it's chaotic nature is like, those things are not connected to anything. We're just, we're just well, you, you know, and it, this ourselves. also reminds me, Patrick, is that sometimes we lose sight of what's the most important thing. And that's what these rules can do. Mm-hmm. I was working with this one dad once and he would come home. He had two small children and they had their toy chest out in the backyard. They lived in Manhattan beach and he'd come home at five or five thirty whenever he got there and he'd walk through the backyard and there'd be toys everywhere. And he would be so pissed off and he'd start screaming, can't you guys pick these toys up when you're done with them? And you know, and here they're glad to see dad and now dad's yelling at them and making them feel like they're doing something wrong because they're enjoying their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, his wife was besides herself. She didn't know what to say to him and tried to talk to him and he would turn it on her. Look, you're obviously not doing your job with these kids or else those toys would be picked up and stuff like that. And, um, I, you know, and I, you know, I'm not afraid to challenge someone. And I said, you know, wow, you've got a real strong rule about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, but I think you're missing something. He goes, what do you mean? I think you're missing something. He wants to fight with me, right? Mm-hmm. I said, no, I think you're missing something. What do you think I'm missing? He goes, I think you're missing that your kids are having so much fun with all those toys. Mm-hmm. And you're making them being put away more important than the enjoyment your kids are having and living their life and having those toys available to them to play with. And I said, could you imagine, God forbid, something happened to your kids and you walked in that mm-hmm, backyard mm-hmm. and it was clean mm-hmm. and those toys weren't there? I said, you'd wish that those toys were spread all over the yard because they're evidence that your kids are happy and enjoying their life in the life that you've helped create. Yep. His wife started crying. It's a per, it's a per, it's a beautiful and relevant reframe that we all need. It's it's like you know talk about you know it's it and and it's so powerful. I've experienced some of that myself, and it's so powerful that 
it'll feel at the moment like, oh, this will change things forever. And it's like, and this is where practice comes in because it won't. It's, it's like, you will forget. This is that thing I talked about earlier. It's like, it's okay. That's part of, that's part of being human. When, when, when you, when you get a reframe like that, when you get that deal, like I, I had the same thing when, when my wife was in uh, ICU, when we didn't have like a doctor house mystery kind of thing, nobody knew what was wrong with her. And, and I, you know, I spent a, 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 a week terrified that I was never going to, you know, see her again yeah. is I, you know, I remembered a friend of mine had actually same thing. She said, said if, I, if Didi weren't here several years other, another thing about my control stuff said, how would I know it? If I came into your house, I go, everything would be put up and everything would be where it goes. That saddle would be sitting in the middle of the kitchen, te- kitchen floor. It is a part of my daily practice. It's a part of my reminders of myself. And we, and we so we, once we learn something, we got to keep reminding ourselves and reminding each other. It changes everything. Yep, really does. But the idea of being able to get the the broader view is is to I mean, actually to smile when something is out of place and look and go, oh, I'm remembering this. This is because my my I love my wife. My wife is here, you know. And it's like, yeah, if you're if you got a narrow view and you and you're focused on your day, it, it makes it's just it's about not shaming you know anybody. It's it's like the the idea so. Before the guy comes home and he just sees more work. I get that because I've, I've had that experience. We all have. You, you work all day and you come home and you see more work that you're going to have to do. You know, it's it's like, OK, well, I just all we're saying, all Alan's saying at that point is just don't stop. Don't stop your perception at that point. Go go ahead and keep, you know, pan back a little bit. Exactly. See the bigger picture. Yep. Think, think, think of the other ways of looking at this. You know, that's personal responsibility. That's the idea of not just. You know, and, and, you know, we always talk about first voice, second voice. It's like it's just not taking that first voice that says, damn, these toys. You know, what's the, what, what's the next thing that comes out? Well, the next thing can come out. Oh, I can remember having that conversation with Dr. Berger that day. It reminds me to be grateful that my my kids and my family are are safe today. It's like beautiful. I'll go with that one. We make a choice. So, look, we get to this flexibility that we're talking about at a cognitive level and at an emotional level. By first owning our rigidity and yes. by taking responsibility for where we're at, where we are. You know, it's that we own it, you know, we have to own it. And or what I like to say is you have to name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to name it to tame it, baby. And if mm-hmm. you're rigid, you got to name it. You got to mm-hmm. say, you know, God, I'm rigid. I just want all these things my way. And the minute you say that, you open up the possibilities of things not being your way. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you you asked us to get more practical. Did we address that today, Patrick? Are you satisfied with this, or? Yeah, I think uh, I think you did, and um, you know, I I liked what Tom was saying earlier about um, feeling good while you're feeling bad, or not just being so fixated on um, because the flexibility there, there right, again, right, mm-hmm. right. I uh, I think that's where uh, my sights are set these days yeah. because I'm still uh, struggling to fit the container of my new life, but I recognize that the struggle is part of it. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm on a long, I'm on a I'm playing the long game, I think. Well, and, 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 that, and that's, that's Alan's book. That's the whole essence of what we're, what we're talking about here, which is, 
it's it, it's all about the literal you know literal meaning of responsibility the ability to respond and and the idea that it's you know measure measure yourself at the end of the day by how, by by you know how you have responded to what has happened you know learn from where you where you fell short or if you think you fell short if you're uncertain, check with somebody else, kind of get some feedback. But don't forget, you know, if we do learn from how we how we screw things up. But we also learn. This is a really important one. We really we learn from how we do things right. And, and the truth is, even when we're struggling at the beginning of, of anything, we're going to do it right sometimes. And, and and whenever you do something right, that's, you want to pay attention to that, not assume it's just a fluke. And that negative voice in our head will will try to get rid of that and just say, oh, oh that, you know, that this too shall pass. It's like, no, I did, I, you know, I did something right. And that's, you know, if you're teaching, if you're teaching me, you know, if you're teaching me how to play the piano and I finally get some something right, what you're going to do is say, that's it. There it is. Repeat it. Do that over and over and over and over again. And even though I'm going to miss it sometimes, I'm going to, now I have something to repeat that's positive. So just in some, so sometimes for some of us who've been the control freak, I'll speak for myself, just uh, my respect, my self-respect at the end of the day can be based on nothing more than, than I kept my mouth shut. And I understood why I was keeping my mouth shut, not just not just to keep the peace, but I understood that that was not that was not the thing to do. I don't need I didn't need to explain anything about how to put peanut butter tops on jars to anybody. Yeah. You know, and it's that may seem trite to somebody who doesn't have these issues, but it's like sometimes that was a big deal. Right. on. Still can be. All right. So what are we doing next time, Patrick? Let's see. It's actually uh, discovering novel solutions. So I think well, you know we, know we we've gave, given an introduction to that. And we'll I love that. More of that. Yeah. Good. Good job. All right, you guys. Yes. I'll see you then. All right. All right. Peace yeah. out, guys. Change your life. Change your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee, bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Till it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me